we're, uh, we're in the middle of this series. We're, uh, uh, last week we started something slightly different, uh, the name. And uh, so God's got a word for us this morning. So let's just, uh, just uh, pray. Father, I thank you for your words of spirit and their life. I thank you for your goodness that's revealed to us through your word. Lord, we want to lift the name of Jesus high over all things. And I thank you that at that name there is salvation. In that name, I thank you that is the name above all names. So Father, we praise you. And we open our hearts to your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you want to speak right into our hearts. And we bless you. We just take authority over every demonic mindset, over every demonic influence. We thank you for healing being released as the words preached. We thank you for salvation being released as the words preached. We thank you for the word living in our hearts, sparking us to faith and to new, new ways with Jesus. We honor you. Amen. 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 So... You know, we, this is a, a follow-on series to uh, Wonderful Counselor. You know, we just had this uh, uh, series, three-part series on the Wonderful Counselor, really looking at the person, the character, and the work of the Holy Spirit. How essential he is for each one of us. You know, even Jesus did nothing on the earth until he received the Holy Spirit at his baptism. He lived the perfect life, but there was no power, there was no grace seen through him to other people. He lived in grace, he lived in holiness, but that, that effect in other people's life wasn't seen until his baptism and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. But do you know what's so exciting about the Holy Spirit? Everything he does points to Jesus. Exalts Jesus. Everything the Holy Spirit does points to the name that's above every name. The name above all names. That's that name of Jesus. And we saw last week, we saw that name. It's an inherited name. It's an inherited name. It's a name that's a royal name, a royal family name. You know, when Jesus was born, he wasn't just given any name. He was given his father's name. That name was his birthright. But you know, that's for us as well a powerful thing because he was begotten, not created. There were, there was, he came from the Father. He wasn't made out of the mud and out of the dust like us. There was something divine, something powerful. Yet, in every aspect, he was found exactly like us. So he is able to supply salvation to us because being made like us, yet having this divine nature. Both man and God, 100% man, 100% God. And I, I go, how do I get my head around that? How can he be 100%? And I hear on, uh, on the TV that, you know, I, I'm, people saying I'm 110% for this, or I'm 200% for that. It's impossible. You, you can only be 100%. We, we bandy these figures around. So Jesus isn't 200% of something. 
which is 50% of one thing and 50% another. He is totally God, and yet totally man. That was what was so powerful, that Jesus did not have this inherited sin issue in his life. The perfect lamb had a different start than you and me, because he had a different father. And that was awesome, we saw last week. That means we now have this new relationship, because you can only give what you have. Jesus is the Son of God, and therefore he is able to give us sonship. Relationship with the Father. Wow. Okay, we saw that, and uh, you know, there's so much more, that right to a relationship. That's last week. But also we saw it was a bestowed name. You see, when you are the prince, you have to come to a point where there's a coronation. You know, you're, you're born in the family, but unless you're actually crowned, you never become king. And we saw that Jesus was given that authority. He was given the name above all names. He was crowned. In other words, he wasn't just a kid serving, but he was the manifestation of the fullness of God. He got all authority. He received the full inheritance. You see, he can only give the full inheritance because he received the full inheritance. He wasn't just he was born into the family. You see, my parents, they have a house that I will inherit, but until they die, I can't receive it. So it's, it's their house, not mine. Jesus received the full inheritance. He was crowned. He was found worthy. So he was given everything, therefore he's able to give us everything. And that's why it's so important. Bestowed just means given. It's a fancy name for given. So he has the given name. So his name means God has given. That's what's wonderful. And we also saw that it's the name that's a conquest name. You can, there's more details on the podcast, whbcmanchester.com forward slash podcasts. And you can get all those messages and see the details. But you see, that name is a victorious name. He overcame. He overcame all the works of the enemy, all the attacks, all that stood against to us. Jesus overcame that broke its power and sat down and said, it's finished. See, that's what's so powerful. It's not just that he was born into the right family. It isn't just that he came of age, but he came of age and he completed the work. So those three aspects of his name. You see, very often the church has not really understood that this name, it's speaks not just of a person, but it speaks of authority. It speaks of position. It speaks of power. In fact, it doesn't just speak of those things. His name is power. His name is authority. 
and his name is position. You see, it's not just a name. His name actually contains and is filled with power. This name is not just something you shout. In fact, actually, if you say that name, you've got to expect something's going to happen. When we say the name Jesus, the devil stops. That's why it's so important this morning that whatever heaviness, whatever's going on in our life, let's lift the name of Jesus up. It changes everything. In the name of Jesus, there is power. And it's such power that created the heavens and the earth, created the sky from the land, the separated life came about on the earth. Trees, you and me. God created the whole universe by his name, by his word. His name is the word of God. This is, this is powerful, this is exciting, and this is the name that people will hear next week. This name, Jesus, that people use as a swear word, is the name that is all power, all authority, and all life. That's why when we, when we hear people say, oh, Jesus Christ, and they, they say it like it's some swear word. And, and I, I worked um, uh, uh, in a company, I had about 70 odd people working under me, uh, accountants, and they were be swearing down the phone. And I, I spoke to some of these uh, people, some of them were Muslims, some of them from other backgrounds, and I just said, you would never use the name of Muhammad in that way. You would never speak about your parents in that way. Why would you use that name in that way? The swearing didn't stop, but the use of the name of Jesus did stop. You know? Sometimes we, we just need to be wise about how we tackle people. Oh, you're so terrible for swearing. Hey, fallen people swear. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you're hurt, if you're broken, if you're angry, if you're bitter, then bitter water, angry words is going to come out of your heart. But not so with us. That's what James says. Let not salt water and fresh water come from our mouths. With one moment we bless God and the next we curse our brother. This should not be. So, how do we know we pass from death to life? Because of our love of our brethren. So you can't curse your brother and say you love God. That is James 
It's John and various other scriptures teaches these things. So, so what are we saying? What are we declaring? When we say this name of Jesus, we're, we're speaking of a person. But we're also speaking, really, of, of an attitude, a, a, a position of God's goodness. You see, every king sits on a throne. And if you, uh, if you see them, they've got the crown on, they've got the scepter. The scepter is the staff. It's, the, it's, some, it's a ceremonial mace, uh, a ceremonial spear. Uh, and it says in, 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 uh, in Genesis 49, it, it says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah. It, it's, the, it's the symbol of power. And it's, it, it was, it's a, even today, it's a, it's a ceremonial thing that you, the king or queen has. It can be, in some tribes, it's a spear. In some tribes, it's a, it's a mace. But it's, it's something you see right across the world. Uh, it could be a, a club. But there's something, it's a, it's a symbol of fighting. But it is also a symbol of, um, of rule, of um, something you would walk with. So, you know, for some, it's a staff. It's, a, it's, it's something that helps you to walk. It's something that, that you can write with. Because you decree laws with it. So the, the king would hold that to pronounce judgment. To pronounce a rule. To pronounce a, a declaration or to commission someone. And sometimes, you know, it's a sword we, uh, that we knight people with, uh, but that's usually because they've done something. Whereas the staff, the, the, the mace, the, uh, the scepter is extended to command. You don't command with the sword. You cut off or you knight the person. And uh, I was seeing on the uh, TV the other day uh, Ed Sheeran with the uh, cut on his cheek where uh, someone had uh, rather silly uh, had sliced him when trying to play knight someone else. You know, when we are being commissioned, God is serious about what he's doing. He doesn't play about it. He wants to commission, he wants us to understand that we don't play at knighting people, we commission people for the plan of God. The plans that God's got, we commission and we send them forward for. Whether it's Nick and Debbie, whether it's Matt and Julie as the, as the pastors, we sent them from here. Uh, Nick and Debbie were sent both from here and from uh, their church in the States. The, there's a, a sense of Going with a purpose. And that's what the scepter speaks about. The scepter speaks about purpose. But it also, from a place of seated. The scepter is it's ceremonial. It, it's not about having to do lots of stuff. It is, I'm in charge, and all my enemies are under my feet. 
therefore go and do something. And if you uh, look at the book of Esther, so if you go to the Old Testament and you go to Psalms and you go back a little bit, you'll find uh, just before Psalms, Job, and just before that, you've got a couple of other uh, small books, and that Esther is just before Job. So if you find that Esther was a, a girl growing up in a foreign land. Hey, this church is full of people who come from other lands. Do you know what? God knows how to prosper us wherever he puts us. This is the story of God's prosperity for a family. Esther. If you read through the story of Esther, uh, it, it starts in uh, page uh, 373 in, in my Bible. Be nothing like that in yours, because mine's this little slimline thing that I'd have to take my glasses off to read. But in, in uh, chapter 2, we, we see, uh, in chapter 1, we read about uh, the king wanted his, had a celebration and wanted his queen to come forward and... Uh, and be presented to all the nobles. He's been displaying his wealth. He's been showing off how wonderful a king he is and how wonderful his kingdom is. And this woman who was beautiful, his wife, she turned him down. Ooh. She turned him down so she lost her position. And the king decided to find another queen. And so they went for a search. Now, nowadays we kind of, we want the riches, uh, but do we want the threats as well? I don't know, you know, I have to do exactly what the king says. Um, maybe it's not so pleasant a place to be. But anyway, this, this, this girl, Esther, as you read about it in chapter 2, she is picked because she's beautiful. She's picked because she's beautiful. This, this is a story that is true, but it is also has implications for you and me. So this story, Esther, she's selected to come before the king. But before she can come before the king, she has to go through six months of treatment with myrrh. Myrrh is a bitter herb. It, it cleanses and purifies. So it, it detoxifies. Then she had to have another six months of treatments with perfumes to make her not just uh, smell okay. When, you know, when we sort of get out of the shower and you spray it on, it, it's, it's nice. But two seconds later, if you don't get the right stuff, it's gone. How do you tell a good perfume? Because it lasts. It lingers on clothes. Well, she had six months of treatment to make her not just smell good when she was wearing the stuff, but to permanently smell. To smell so good that she would be desirable to a king. Well, I don't know whether I would fancy going through that, because I'm not a girl. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting, those balms now, the aftershave balms, so, you, so that you're shaving, it doesn't irritate your skin. <laughs> Men are getting that way too. Despite all this preparation, she still had to be called. And we read about this. 
So Esther 2, 12 to 14 talks about the beauty treatments, but you go on to uh, uh, read through this, the king had to call you. If you weren't called and you went anywhere near the king, you died. I think a lot of people, that's how they feel about God. If they go too close to God, I'm going to die. And they don't understand God has a beauty treatments in place to help you enter his presence. God's plan has always been for you and me to be able to come to him, to look amazing, smell fantastic. You see, the aroma of Christ is death to some, but it is life to us who are being saved. You see, we are the aroma of Christ here on the earth. There's something powerful about smell. God wants us smelling amazing. That's why the uh, gifts that were brought, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Frankincense speaks of this fragrance, speaks of God's goodness, speaks of spice, and frankincense actually clears the mind. When frankincense is burnt, one of the things that helps, it actually clarifies, helps you to think better. There we go. Just, you know, when you just think about these things in the Bible and you think, why are they there? Frankincense speaks of sacrifice and worship, but it also clarifies or makes the mind clear. Myrrh speaks of purification and of burial. So when we think about Christmas and the gifts, we think about those things. We see God's plan was to get people's attention. The burial and the sacrifice together. Anyway, let me get back on my uh, thing. So, the enemy, as you read through the book of Esther, I've got to give you the short version, otherwise I'll be here reading through scripture after scripture. As you read through chapter 3 in Esther, there's a plot against the Jews. And one of the king's top men is behind it all. He is after destroying a bunch of people because he feels it, one of them insulted him. And so, because one ignored how good he was, or how famous he was, or how pompous he was, because he slighted him and ignored him, he's not just after killing that one person, he's after killing everybody that's a Jew. He wants to wipe the lot out. You see, the enemy always wants to destroy, not just you, but everybody you know. Everyone you've been in contact with. And that's why it's so important for us to stand against his, his plans. Because there's people that if he can get through you, he'll get hold of them. And we need to stand in the gap for people. We need to stand in the gap. We need to actually stand and make sure we're understanding God's plan. His plan on the earth is salvation for all. Yet not all will be saved. It's, it's powerful. So... Esther is appointed for just this time. And what we read is her, her uncle. Her uncle, uh, 
tells her, how do you know that you come to the throne for just this time? Uh, that's in, in uh, chapter 4. Don't think, uh, this is verse 12 of chapter 4, don't think that you alone, because you're in the king's house, of all the Jews will escape. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will come from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows that you have come to your royal position for just a time such as this? See, there are, there's reasons you are here in this country in this time. Whether you grew up here or whether you came here from another land, this is God's place for you to be a blessing to the world. And when you start confessing, it's horrible. I can't see things. I don't know how I'm going to live. I'm not, I don't believe this place. It's horrible. You start to agree with the devil instead of agreeing with what God says. And I love that testimony. Everyone was saying to Bob and, and Sue, go bankrupt, escape. And because they stood on God's promises, they were able to see his deliverance. Not bankruptcy, but freedom. The ability to now move forward and see God's blessings rather than, see bankruptcy, it wipes the debts out, but you still have this bankruptcy thing over you for the rest of your days until you clear it. You're, you're, you're released from the problem, but it's put on the shelf. Bankruptcy doesn't completely clear you. Whereas when God works, he works to completely clear. He works to completely clear. You see, when Esther, Esther had a choice. She, as we read in, in uh, chapter 5, she fasts and she prays. She does it for three days, and then she goes to the king. She goes to the king knowing anybody who comes to the king will die. Unless the king extends his stick, his spear, his ceremonial scepter. That's why the scepter is such a powerful thing. The scepter had to be extended, had to be raised over you. Otherwise, it, it was an automatic death. The, the, the guards didn't have to ask permission to kill you. Wow. Can you imagine that? You're, you're, you're desperate and you know that the guards have instructions. Anyone not invited by name must be put to death. And you still come into the presence of God. The presence of the king, sorry. That's what happens. But she caught his eye. She caught his eye, and he extended his name. He extended his authority. He extended his position over her. That's what it meant to, to extend the scepter. This scepter meant decision-making. It meant law-making. It meant instructions for fighting and killing. It meant how to walk right. And he extended this over her, and she was able to receive mercy. But he then went further, and we read, he, and he said, ask me, 
ask me for anything. What would you like? Even up to, this is in chapter 5, verse 3, even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. That's favor. So not just mercy, but now grace. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. For riches. You see, we have to understand something different about God. You see, the, the, this king, the, the instructions were death for everyone who approached. Whereas Hebrews teaches us to approach the throne of grace where we can receive and find help in our time of mercy. For us, you have to understand, well, God's not lifting a big stick to beat you with. He's lifting the scepter permanently that whoever comes and kneels, whoever comes and submits, is already forgiven. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish. In other words, whoever would come to the throne of Jesus will find the scepter, the decision-making already extended, already extended, already extended for mercy, forgiveness, and for grace. She didn't just get her life back. She got the king to come to her home, and she got her enemy destroyed. As we read through the story of Esther, the very implement of death the, that he had planned to impale people on, Haman was impaled on himself. The devil has planned for your and my destruction and Jesus has made of no consequence every design and plan that the devil has for us. And not only that, he has hoisted him on his own accusations and destruction. This name, this name means mercy and it means grace. The scepter, the name of Jesus, it means the sentence of death is removed. Salvation and life is released. And blessing and gifts are imparted. You see, I want to go back to those three things that we saw at the first. The name. It is an inherited name. So the inheritance that Jesus brings is life, not death. He brings, this is his name. His name is life, not death. This name that he has inherited means the sentence of death is removed. But his name is also a name that he has been crowned with. So he's been crowned with salvation. And he has also 
conquered. So instead of curses and destruction, there's now only blessings and gifts. You see, when we say about the name of Jesus, we are saying the name that releases blessing just as it releases salvation, just as it releases for forgiveness. There's never a time when you come to that throne when you're going to see the sword to swipe your head off. You're going to see the scepter that speaks forgiveness, that speaks blessing, that speaks goodness, that speaks relationship. This, I don't know about you, but sometimes we think of this name as, as a swear word to some people and just a name in a song when actually God has given us something to wield, almost like a battle axe. This name of Jesus needs to be spoken out over people. It is the symbol of authority. It's not just a name, oh, if anyone confesses Jesus. If anyone declares and speaks that name of Jesus, they shall be saved. It's a, it's a rule. If you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you will be saved. That is a declaration from the king on his throne. It's not just, oh, Jesus. It is, Jesus! Wow. It's the roar of the Lion of Judah. It's the one on the throne going, enough! Stop it! Right now, devil! Get your hands off! They belong to me. Ooh! That name, he needs to be shouted, screamed. You know, when I feel down, that name, oh, Jesus! It's not just hope. It's life. This name, Jesus. I think sometimes we just, you know, let's pray in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, Lord. We, mm, let's try and push some stuff into place. As opposed to realizing, you speak that name, Jesus, stuff happens. There was a sci-fi film ages ago called June. And for sci-fi buffs, if you know anything about it, the, the guy that they followed, if they spoke it, it's, it's a bit of a weird film. Don't, I don't suggest you watch it. But if they spoke it, it, it was a weapon. It killed people. The name of Jesus brings life into the hearts of those that we speak it to. It is the extended mercy rule. It is the extended grace. It doesn't just mean a bit of hope. It means a law is being implemented of life. There, that's what it says in Romans 8 verse 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. There's such grace. Grace. This death and life thing, this death and life thing, next week, death 
is going to be lifted off of people. That inherited name means DNA and other inherited diseases are broken. You see, that name inherited breaks inheritances that are wrong. It also means the release of what is in the here and now. Things that you've con connected with that you don't need and don't want. So there's sickness and disease that's released because you have contact with people. That name, Jesus, has received the full name and it deals with current stuff. But it also deals with the effects of life. Stuff, regeneration of cartilages, regeneration of hearts and arteries and stuff that need because of the weightiness or the problems in life, he's overcome them. See, that name is inherited, that name is crowned or given, and that name is a conquering name.